Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. We are um, going to be in a, in a short series, a three-week series uh, called Compassion. And today I've entitled the message, Perfect Vision. Perfect Vision. And um, you, you get perfect vision. What is perfect vision? Perfect vision is to see as Jesus sees. It's to hear as Jesus hears. It's to perceive what Jesus perceives. That's perfect vision. And you only get that uh, through a relationship with him, right? And you only get that when you say, God, I want to be intentional about having perfect vision. And so uh, if you look in the dictionary, the definition to compassion is this. It's a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who is stricken by misfortune and accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Well, I tell you, um, if you've if you've if you've never been to a foreign country on one of our missions trips, and you and you've never seen the poverty that exists, uh, it, it'll change your life. And when we go to Africa or uh, even Romania and some of the other places, when we open it up for a team, uh, I highly encourage you to be a part of that because it is mind-blowing to see um, a little hut, sometimes made out of mud bricks and straw, sometimes just straw and whatever limbs that they could find, uh, dirt floors, a, a, what we would call a, just a, a campfire. That would be their main cooking uh, uh, tool. And um, the thing that just really blew my wife and I's mind when we were in Africa, especially, is are these huts that these families live in. And, um, and to have the, the wives and the mothers out every morning sweeping the dirt floors to keep them clean. And, and you know, it, it just, that just affected my wife and I so much. And, and um, it, it exists, and there's people in other parts of this world, and there's people right here on Long Island, by the way, that are hurting and that, that are in need. And um, Jesus really hits this issue head on in, in the story we're going to talk about today. There was a, a quote from a survivor of uh, the Nazi death camps in World War II, and this survivor wrote these words. Here's to a world that did not care. To those who had eyes but would not see, to those who had ears but would not hear, and to those who had voices but would not speak. When you have perfect vision, when you have a heart of compassion, you speak for those that cannot speak for themselves. You stand in the gap for those that cannot do it themselves. That's the gospel, that's the heart of God. And today I want to look at a story that Jesus shared to make a point about this issue of compassion. Like every story that Jesus tells us in the Bible, he tells it within a context of something that is going on around him. And so if you have your Bible with us today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. We're going we're gonna to look at a story that you've heard about, you've probably read hundreds of times, 
But I want to look at it in a way that, that really impacts us today, and it's the story of what we would call the Good Samaritan. And it starts off, and it says this. It says, one day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits, and they stripped him of his clothes beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed by him. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. And then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. This Jewish lawyer would have been well-versed in the law. He knew the details of the law frontwards and backwards. He studied it. He was a great debater. And the lawyer asked a reasonable question, Lord, what can I do to inherit eternal life? which is a fair question, but then he asked the other one, and it's the motive that Jesus picked out. And, and the motive was to trip up Jesus. He said, well, then who is my neighbor? When you look at that phrase in the original Greek language, it means to thoroughly test him. The, the lawyer was wanting to back Jesus in a corner because the Bible tells us that this man was not interested in discovering the truth. 
as much as he was interested in justifying his own prejudices and actions. Jesus saw through that. And I love the fact that Jesus answered the question by pointing him back to the law, which this man knew. He said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? Put it back on him. Of course, he answered everything the right way. But he had this issue. He wanted justification for his prejudices. Jesus told us in Matthew 22 that these two commandments, to love God with every fiber of your being and to love your neighbor as yourself, are the two greatest commandments and everything else hangs on obeying them. If you get those two right, you're doing okay. But this lawyer was not finished with just that. And, and, and he wants to justify the fact that he's probably not compassionate to people outside of his circle. And he uses an old debate technique when you feel like you're, you're losing an argument or you're afraid that you're going to lose the argument. And, and what that technique is is that he demands of Jesus to define his terms. He, he says, what do you mean, neighbor? Who would that encompass? Of course, the lawyer had his own idea of what that meant. <coughs> the lawyer would, ask, would answer it and say, well, it's, my neighbors are people who are just like me. My, my neighbor are, these are people whom I like and whom like me. My, neighbor are, my neighbors are people who look just like me. We have the same skin tone or pigment. That's my neighbor. Uh, my neighbors are people who act just like me. My neighbors are people who vote the same way that I do. They're either all Republicans or they're all Democrats or whatever it is you are. Those are my neighbors. Everyone else I don't have any use for. My neighbor, if this Jewish attorney was answering, that would say, my neighbors are the ones who worship the same God that I worship. Those are my neighbors. But that's not what Jesus is saying, is it? He's sitting there probably feeling like, I got him now. And with this smug smile of satisfaction, his arms crossed. He, you know, he should have quit while he was ahead. And it was at this point that Jesus says, well, let me answer that. I want to tell you a story about a Jewish guy who was traveling along the road, and he begins to tell the story that we just read. I believe that what Jesus was trying to get through to them at this point was it showing that people have a very limited vision. People in general struggle with this area of compassion because compassion does not come naturally, does it? It causes you to go outside of yourself in many ways. It's easier to just walk past a problem to get where you're going. And Jesus, I believe, was addressing this that perfect vision only comes from being intentional about what you choose to see. 
And so I want to talk about this issue of perfect vision and compassion today. I'm going to share with you three things that perfect vision allows you to have. Number one, if you're taking notes, if you're not, you've, you're offending me because you're not paying attention. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. You guys got to get with it because the first service was right with me and laughing at my jokes and everything. And you guys are a little too serious today. You're making me nervous. Perfect vision allows you to be insightful in your living. Insightful in your living. Jesus is declaring in this story that you cannot ignore a hurting world. So, so let's take a little closer look at this Jewish traveler. Um, we, we don't know much about the man, but we know that, that he was taking a very dangerous road. In fact, in those days, the road that he was taking was known as the way of blood because of the crimes that were committed against travelers on that road. It was very common for robbers to be hiding certain places along the road to rob people, to beat people up, sometimes kill them. Women would, would be raped along that road. It was a very dangerous road to be traveled. The reality is that we are surrounded by a culture of wounded travelers, aren't we? People that have experienced the worst that life has to offer. People that have tried to get through a day, just one day, to survive a day with things that they are dealing with that maybe you and I couldn't relate with, but they have seen the worst that life has to offer. Everywhere you look, people are plagued with hardship and despair, and discouragement. You see, you might say, well, I don't see that. Maybe you're not looking. It's there. Trust me. Some have injuries or illnesses that debilitate them and cause physical pain. Some are dealing with the stigma and the scars of divorce or physical abuse or sexual abuse. Some are living in the darkness of addiction and the inability to cope with temptations that come with that. Some are just spiritually confused all the time. The mission of the church, the church of God, the church in general, and that translates into the mission of its believers, is that we are to reach out and bring hope and love to a world that's hurting. I want to remind you of something. It's been a while since I've shared this, but I'm just going to go. Can I go for it today? All right. You shouldn't have said yes. We are not the harbor, the harbor church, the local expression of the body of Christ. We are not a cruise ship. See, when you talk to people, how many go on cruises? Anyone? Okay, wow, first service was a lot more, huh? Uh, I don't mean to compare you guys all the time, but it's just fun. I like watching you get uncomfortable. Um, you know, when you talk to people that do cruises, it's all about, you know, well, you, you want to stay away from Carnival because that's a younger crowd and they're rowdy. 
You want to go with, now, I don't, there's, there's cruise lines that I never heard of that are just high end. And I, I, I'm just too poor to even know what those are. So bear with me. But people will tell you, you have to go with Royal Caribbean or Norwegian cruise lines because they're better. They're a step above. Why? Because they, because the food, the, the buffet, the food, the dinners that night, they, they offer everything for you. See, when you go on a cruise, it's all about getting your needs met. It's all about them offering so much that you couldn't possibly experience it all. And that keeps you coming back. But sadly, in church circles, people view their church as a cruise ship. And they want you to offer as much as you can to make their stay more pleasant. That's not what we are. It's not what we'll ever be. I mean, we have the ugliest building in town on the outside. Not on the inside, but on the outside. We're in a warehouse. Our vision has always been about people and ministry. Now, I'm praying that someday we'll get a halfway decent looking building. That would be nice. But that's not the priority right now. The priority is that we want to help people. And the building is somewhere down the list. There's a lot of people that struggle with that. Well, I can't go to a church that meets in a warehouse that doesn't look like a church. All right, God bless you. I'll give you a list of churches that look like churches. God bless you. We are not a cruise ship. The harbor is a search and rescue vessel. And they're not necessarily that fancy. They're they're not built for comfort. And everybody that's on that ship is there for one purpose, and that is to reach people that are dying, to rescue them, right? They clapped. Can you believe that? That's what we are. That's what we will always be. And when you, you know, I wish I could just tell you all of the things that requests and things that we get. And it's mind-blowing to me. It's like, don't worry about the lights. Bring an unchurched person so they can find Jesus. You you know what I mean? It gets ridiculous. So I'm going to stop there before I offend everybody. Okay, okay. The second second point is this. Perfect vision is... Uh, it allows you to be insightful in your living, but it also allows you to be incomparable in your compassion. Incomparable. We are the people of God. We should be incomparable in our compassion. The world can do the bare minimum. The people of God ought to be extravagant in their giving to people, to help people, to rescue people. We need to go above and beyond. That's what we're called to do. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave. You know, and and I love this story because um, Jesus is pointing out the fact that compassion doesn't always come from where you'd expect it. Uh, So in this story, in verse 31, it says, by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant who worked in the temple, the church, walked over and actually looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side of the road. 
And then came this despised Samaritan. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Religion passed this guy by. Religion. Those that we might expect to help him walked by him. The priest was probably on his way to perform his religious duties in the temple and didn't want to get sidetracked. In fact, according to uh, Jewish law, if he would have touched the man, he probably would have been declared spiritually unclean for seven days. But he, his focus was on his duty to religion more than it was on his devotion to a loving God. And he ended up placing the temple and the liturgy above the pain of the traveler. The truth is, compassion can be scary because you risk being taken advantage of. You risk the fact that it's going to cost you more than you intended to pay. And you're going to spend a whole lot more time with the situation than maybe what you have. So there's a risk in showing compassion to others. The Apostle Paul even wrote some words of encouragement to the believers about showing compassion and what can happen. He said in Galatians 6, Don't allow yourselves to be weary or disheartened in planting good seeds. For the season of reaping the wonderful harvest you've planted is coming. Just turn to someone and say, it's coming. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to people in your church. Is that what it says? Oh, man, you're... Come on now. What's it say? Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. Others. And especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. Of course, that's a ground ball. That's a given. But to others, when you truly walk with Jesus, it demands a level of caring that goes beyond your natural comfort zone. Jesus is always stretching you. He's always pulling you forward. Jesus is not a status quo God. It's all about reaching people that need a a fractured relationship with a holy God repaired. People that are walking with death and need life. See, that's the goal of God. And it's hard because when you get involved in someone's life, it requires you to go to a place where they're at, a place that you don't want to be, a place where they're weak and they're vulnerable and they're lonely and broken. So in this story, religion just walked past this guy. And then there's this guy, this this Samaritan. Now, let me just lay the groundwork here. The Jews and the Samaritans had this unbelievable race war going on. They hated one another. They despised one another. Jewish people thought that Samaritans were like dogs. 
And Samaritans thought that Jewish people were stuck up and arrogant and no good for anything. They hated one another. (laughs) And just by Jesus mentioning the fact that it was a Samaritan that showed mercy, I, I wish I could have been there, but I'm sure that everyone in the crowd went, what? Every Jew knew that the Samaritans were all bad guys. But this is what actually happened. The robbers beat their victim up. The priests passed their victim up. But the Samaritan picked the victim up. That's what compassion does. The thief said, what's yours is mine and I'm going to take it. The priest and the Levite said, what's mine is mine and I'm going to keep it. And the Samaritan said, what's mine is yours, and I'm going to give it. (laughs) That was nice. Thank you. A little time delay there. That was cool. That was for the interpreter, so he could interpret and then then clap. So I'm playing with you. I'm I'm, I'm I'm really getting on you guys today, aren't I? I'm so sorry. But you love me, and you don't have any choice. You have to love me, so... Most of us measure our degree of compassion by what it's going to cost us. We quickly in our minds compute this cost to caring ratio. And if the cost is too high, we're going to not get involved in that. But that's what the priest and the Levite did. But they lost far more by their neglect than the Samaritan did by his concern. They lost an opportunity to make a difference in someone's life that was hurting and to be good stewards of God. Now, what I think is so ironic is that the priest and the Levite represented the church at that time, not the church as we know it, but the, the temple, the church, the, the religious system. But didn't they miss the whole spirit of God anyway? <laughs> Isn't that God's heart to reach someone who's hurting? They, they, were, they were more concerned with their duties and, uh, you know, than, than the Spirit of God. They missed it completely, and religion will do that to you. Jesus gives us a model to use to have perfect vision in a crazy world. There's a model here that we can look at in Matthew 9. It says, when he saw the vast crowds of people, Jesus' heart was deeply moved with compassion because they seemed weary and helpless like wandering sheep without a shepherd. You ever just see somebody or see a scene that just rips you up? You can't get that person out of your mind. You can't get their face out of your mind. See, that's the heart of God. God's putting his finger on your heart saying, this person needs help. This person needs something. Perfect vision produces in you a love that goes into all the world and finds people right where they're at. It goes the extra mile without hesitation. It takes on many different appearances, doesn't it? I mean, it it could be something as simple as serving in the food pantry or a, a soup kitchen somewhere, or it could be a neighbor that you know as a single mom that's struggling and you choose 
to maybe go, when you go to King Cullen, you just double everything you're buying and leave some groceries on her doorstep. See, that's compassion. It shows up in a hospital room when someone's sick, and you just there, and you just say, I, I, just, I, just, I just love you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to encourage you. See, that's compassion. It's going the extra mile. It's crying with those that are crying a lot because they've lost a lot. That's compassion. That's perfect vision. So perfect vision helps you to be insightful in your living. It allows you to be incomparable in your compassion. And I'm going to kind of come in now for landing. It, it, it allows you to be intensive in your caring, going above and beyond. So it says here in verse 34, going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, which means that he had to walk next to the donkey, and took him to an inn where he took care of him. And the next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. See, this story is in response to a Jewish lawyer that was wanting to justify his own prejudices. Jesus pulled out the big guns, and he showed this. He, he showed that mercy doesn't need a reason to act kind to someone, even to your strangers or your enemies. Jesus turns the table on this lawyer trying to justify himself. And instead of, you know, the, the, the lawyer says, who's my neighbor, wanting to kind of get out of acting with compassion, Jesus says, which one of these three men was neighbor to the victim? And, and, and of course, he was stuck. The, the lawyer was stuck. Jesus is saying, who can I show compassion to? That's what he was asking us. Someone once wrote this. I don't know who wrote it, but I thought it was so good. It says, I was hungry, and you formed a humanities club and discussed my hunger. I was imprisoned. And you crept off quietly to your chapel and prayed for my release. I was naked, and in your mind, you debated the morality of my appearance. I was sick, and you knelt and thanked God for your health. I was homeless, and you preached to me of the spiritual shelter of the love of God. I was lonely, and you left me alone to pray for me. You seemed so close to God but I'm still very hungry and lonely and cold. If our band would come up, we're going to be done here in just a second. <clears throat> I want to end today with a poem. Now, I'm not a big poem guy. When I was in Bible college and we learned public speaking, it's a, it's a, it's a course called homiletics. Daryl, you remember homiletics. And what they teach you in there, we, we would joke around because they would teach you how to structure a message. And we always would joke around and call it three points in a poem. But I don't share a lot of poems because I'm not into poems. There's something a little feminine about rhyming the last words. To, I don't know why. I just get uncomfortable with it. Just, but I want to close today with a poem. I wanna, I'm, gonna be, I'm being stretched outside my comfort zone. This poem appeared in a magazine a few years ago. The magazine was called Dimension Magazine. And I, I just took it as a prayer. It, it was such a beautiful poem. 
it reminded me of a prayer that I would like to have for my, for my life, and I want to share it with you. It says, I need a truer vision, Lord, a vision filled with Thee, to see the needy world again with eyes willing to see. A world where people are hurting and hungry every day. A world that's ready and waiting to hear what you would say. I need a wider vision, Lord, a vision filled with thee. To see that lonely woman down the street from me. The teenager who's all mixed up. The child who's been abused. The day-to-day cares in my neighborhood. Lord, I want to be used. Give me a new vision, Lord, a vision filled with Thee to see the world and my neighborhood as Your eyes would see. Help me use my gifts, dear Lord, in ways that glorify You to act with loving kindness towards those with a different view. A truer, wider, new vision, Lord. That's what I need to carry out your commands in word and thought and deed. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome. Could we stand? Come on, let's stand to our feet. The most compassionate thing I could do right now is to ask you a question that could change the trajectory of your life in eternity. Because I realize that in a room like this, there are people that have come here searching and on a journey, and you're looking for answers, and I totally understand that, and I respect that totally. But today, I want you to know that there's a God that loves you that's crazy about you. He knows the hunger in your heart and the void and the emptiness. And he knows your your pursuit of trying to find truth that can fill that. He knows that. He knows how you felt when you woke up this morning and he knows how you feel when you go to bed tonight. And today I want to just tell you that the starting point with all this, to have a, a, a perfect vision, the starting point is a relationship with Jesus. Because that's where it all begins, isn't it? has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with a denomination. It has nothing to do with the name that's on our door and on the sign. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has everything to do with the name that's written on your heart. And so I want to just lead us in a prayer today because we're all in it together, like it or not. But there's going to be people here today that today it made sense. Something clicked and you're like, I need that Jesus in my life. I want to know that Jesus. I want him to be Lord of my life. And as I pray this prayer today, it's not the prayer that changes you. It's just to, it's just to help you to know how to pray. But if that's you, would you just pray this with everything that's within you? Just with all sincerity and honesty? And just all of us, could we just, all of us in this room, just just repeat after me. I'm going to lead us in a, in a prayer of invitation, okay? Just pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for bringing me here today. I realize my need for you in my life. 
So right now, at this very moment, I open my heart to you and ask you to come into my life to forgive me of all of my sin and to fill me with your spirit and change me that there would be no emptiness ever again. I completely dedicate my life to you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.